0: Well, we've been uh, working our way through our vision, document, uh, the real life. And every week uh, we've been sharing for the last, I think, nine weeks now, sharing our vision. And this is our last moment uh, when we talk about the real life uh, vision. And if you're new to us and you're just visiting us, our vision as a church is a redeemed life, an empowered life, an active life, and a listening life. And uh, it's been a, a terrific time, And I've really enjoyed all that God has said to us and the way he has ministered to us. Next weekend, um, uh, we have a special guest speaker, uh, Bill Hogg, who is the uh, Mennonite Brethren Evangelist, the Missiologist. Uh, He's Scottish, and so uh, he'll have a lot to say. And uh, he's funny. I've known him for nearly 30 years, and uh, he's preaching uh, for next weekend. So invite your friends. Uh, It will be a Great weekend. He is always uh, dynamic and preaches in our churches right the way across our nation. And that will prove to be an an excellent time. And uh, we just want to pray about that. So please uh, tell your friends and invite people to come. And he'll be particularly talking about the ministry of church planting across Canada. And very exciting the way that God is moving and the way that God is working. Uh, It's fantastic. So our final session on real life uh, deals with the subject of the listening life. And you know, if you get to know me, that I, I love to teach a seminar called Hearing God. And it's six weeks and we talk about how we, through scripture, through journaling, through time alone with God, uh, we learn to listen to God's voice and learn to understand God's heart in our lives. And, and really the listening life is what kind of church do do we want to build well we want to build a church that is gospel centric that is empowered by the work of the holy spirit that has is driven by volunteers where we know where we fit and what god has called us to do and above all we want to build a listening church a listening to god in prayer listening to each other in love listening to our community in mission that in every area we want to reach out and we want to listen to people i just love uh, what God does in our church and the way he ministers and moves. In. Uh, last weekend, it was beautiful to pray with a number of people, a couple of people who gave their lives to Jesus last weekend. Uh, it, was, it was great. And I don't know, a mum came up to me at the end and gave me a big hug. That's always lovely. And, and she, said, um, she said, you know, I want you to know that, um, uh, that, that a number of months ago, I don't know who it was, my son came here. And at the end, he came and gave his life for Jesus. And now he's cleaning up his life and he's living 100% for Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? And, um, and I think... I think sometimes we forget the power of the gospel to transform lives. And uh, sometimes I don't get a chance to get to the back of the church to shake your many gorgeous and wonderful hands. Uh, But to be able to pray with a number of people and uh, introduce them to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is magnificent, isn't it? Uh, The Lord is still saving souls and at work. So in terms of prayer, and as we think about prayer, what what do we really want to, how do we start this journey? Much of what I'm going to share, you already know. Much of what I'm going to say, dear family, you understand. There is nothing particularly theologically profound that you're going to go, ha. but maybe you're new to Christian faith as well, and this may also really help you. But as we think about prayer, we understand what should the heart of prayer really be and how should it be. In Matthew 6 and verse 5 and 7, he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward." But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what does this mean? Well, very simply, as we look at this scripture, we understand that there's a, there's a beautiful sense about this. Is that really, prayer must be sincere. You know, there's a problem here in this text. And the problem is that at the time when this was written and at Jesus' time, there was a lot, of, a lot of pride about being religious. I mean, I explained a few weeks ago the kind of political system at the time. There was the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots and and the Essenes. And these were four very distinct groups of spirituality that existed. There were the Pharisees who lived by the law and did everything utterly correctly. They were like um, uh, super religious but on super, super steroids. Everything they did and they thought, you know what, if we get everything absolutely correct, then what's going to happen is we're going to usher in the day of the Messiah and boot these Romans out. Good idea. Uh, whereas the Sadducees were more, they were political. They were the election. They were those who were connected. They, interg- they engaged with the Roman society and and were the political Powerhouse who ran everything. The zealots just loved to attack and blow things up. Uh, they were uh, the kind of terrorist group of the time. And the Aseans, they were—they were in their mountains, in their caves, writing their Dead Sea scrolls and and finding God and just saying, "I'm I'm done with all of this. I'm going to live in a cave." How tiring all of those. Um, Expressions would have been, you know, the the legalism of, of being a Pharisee, the the endless political of being a Sadducee, the the violence and hatred of being a Zealot, and the exclusion of going away and hiding oneself, in... and trying to see what God is doing. All of those are not they're not not a way that we really want to to, and yet. And yet prayer, Jesus teaches about prayer at this time. And he teaches us something incredible because the issue was, he teaches us that prayer should not become an issue of pride. Prayer should not become something that we feel um, feel arrogant about or feel self-righteous about. Or we boast about, or because the danger is he's looking at the world around him, he's saying, listen, these people, they're faking faith. They're faking their religion. They're faking the way they're performing. They walk onto a stage and as they stand there, they perform their belief. And everybody looks at them and applauds them and says, wow, aren't you amazing the way you pray? Aren't you amazing the way that you conduct yourself? Aren't you incredible? Gosh, you're such a spiritual giant. Wow. You know, and and I think sometimes I meet people like that. Uh, You know, oh yes, yes. This I get up at um, 2.30 a.m. every morning and pray for 15 hours and then go to work at 8 a.m., um, um, how do you manage that? Oh, time itself stops and I step through a portal and, and I'm able to be in the divine and I feel very intimidated. And i yes, yes. And I've been, I've been having a Bible study with, uh, with uh, the angels, uh, Michael and uh, Gabriel, pop round and I taught them a few things about Leviticus. And And they were very appreciative. And you think, really? I bet you can't even have a bath because when you try and step in it, you you walk on water. Um, (laughs) Have you met people like this? Oh, you know, and and it feels intimidating. And yet what I want to say to you, don't be intimidated by prayer. Prayer is about sincere heart towards the Lord. It's not about being... It's not about boasting. It's about that when you pray, you must not be like hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corner that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What reward have they received? Well, they've received the reward of the accolades. Everybody's cheering them. Whoa, that was amazing. They've received their reward of people's praise in the world. And I'll tell you what, we don't want the praise of people. We want the praise of one person and his name is Jesus. And when we pray and grow in our prayer life, it's about that intimacy, glorious moment where Jesus Christ is close to us. Where he comes and and is, is there with us. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. You know, I was thinking about this. What is God's love language? You know, we talk about this in marriage. I think if you know about love languages, um, and I'm going to not attempt to recite them. I'm bound to get them wrong, uh, but you know, love languages can be gifts, it can be time spent, it can be uh, touch, but, you know, there's all of this, this research on what our, language, our love language are. I think God's love language from this scripture is he loves it when you spend time with him. You know? And I I just got this very deep sense as I was preparing this message and praying for many hours. Um, but, but, But really, I got this sense that, you know, the Father's heart, he loves it when you shut the door and you just spend time alone with him. He really does. I don't know how else to say it, I don't know how to explain it, except Father loves it when his children come and we shut the door and we spend time alone with him in our life. We, we allow ourselves. And how are you doing in that department? How are you allowing your your, your, your spiritual growth to grow in that area. It's not about our glory. It's about glorifying the Son. It's about glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And prayer may be new to you, but coming to God in prayer in sincerity makes all of the difference. So what should our motivation be in prayer? Well, um, I think... Um, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You might go, hang about. Well, the first thing I want to say about this scripture is for some of us, we need a revelation given from us from the Father that tells us that God loves our prayers and does not resent or resist or stand back from you when you pray about your issues and your troubles and your difficulties in life. God's heart is this that God's heart. Cares for every one of you god 's heart is that he loves you and I completely. you may have heard that a lot, but we have to get it into our hearts that our father loves his children and he's not resisting your prayers he's not resisting the intimacy he's not resisting you see the Gentiles would babble they would they would recite uh, like spells and 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 incantations and, and, and go into babbling and he says don't be full of babbling nonsense but you know your father hears in fact your father even knows these things before you ask them oh. then you go "Well, what's the point of praying true? you go what's the point explain it to me Pastor Phil you're the pastor moving on um not at all. I love, in fact, this, is a, this is, shouldn't be confusing part of the verse. This is a most beautiful part of the verse. You know, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. I've got a son. You, you probably know that. And I'm going to tell a little story from my son. Uh, he's 10. He's... Name is Josiah, and, and he, he talks a lot. Takes after his mum. And, <laughs> and he comes, and he jumps on, on me, and we sit there, and he loves to talk. Now, I am the father of my house. I am now the father, of course. I, um, I know what goes on in my vast estate up there on... Uh, on, on, on Upper Rutland, where I, I farm. Um, and, and, and on my great estate, I have my daughters who look after me and they bring me cups of teas and say, Father, you are the greatest. Um, and look after me. If you know what 17 and a half year old daughters are like, then you will fast and pray for me. Um, <laughs> But so I've got, I live in my home and I have a good idea about the space in that home. I know what goes on. I'm aware of what Josiah wants, what he's up to, whether he's playing a little bit of Minecraft or whether he is, um, uh, you know, uh, on Time with some of his friends. I can hear them talking in the background. Whether reading a a book, intensely, the full works of Shakespeare, and (laughs) whether he is indeed uh, out playing a footy, uh, soccer, and and practicing his his, his left-footed volley. Uh, I kind of know his world. But I love nothing better than when he comes and jumps on the sofa and cuddles up. And starts to tell me about his day. I love it so much when he comes and he talks to me about what's gone on at school today. In fact, he, he loves to get the yearbook out of his school and go through the whole school talking about every individual. I mean, I'm his father, I love him, but that's a little bit boring. Uh, but... But I nod and I, I know. And then he asks me things. I already know pretty much about what he wants. But the joy and the closeness as he asks, my heart responds to him. You know, it's funny. We bought his Christmas present and he asked for what he wanted. And But the funny thing was, we'd already worked it out and we'd already bought it. And it's hidden in my office because he's a sneak. And... <laughs> But I know what my son needs, but I delight in the, in the conversation. I delight. And I even made decisions because he asked me that I never expected I was going to make. I, you know, we're there, and he says, Oh, I'd love a slushy dad. Shall we go down? I said, Yeah, but your mum won't like it. And uh, yeah, let's sneak out the window at 10 p.m. at night and go and get a blue slushy and come back. Uh, no, I joke, it's, it's a blizzard. Uh, but <laughs> what I'm trying to describe is that the father loves his children and the father loves you and yes, he's aware of your world and he knows what's going on. But what prayer fosters is an intimacy where he comes close to you. What does this, this increases. When you're intimate with the Lord, it increases in areas of our life. It increases in, in trust. It increases in, in intimacy. Your, your, it increases in connection with God's heart and God's, far, uh, God's desires as we spend time with him. And I love prayer. And I love spending time with the Father, and I love the intimacy and bringing my needs and bringing my battles and bringing all of my anxieties and my pains and my troubles to my climbing up onto his lap and, and saying, Father, thank you for all that you do, that you love me and you care about me and you know me so well. So what should our prayers be like? Well, of course, in, uh, the only way I can pray is, is in a very, a very conversational way. I um, honour him, I confess my sins, and I talk to my father in a way. It should be natural. It should be free that you're able to freely share what's on your heart it's loving and with all of that natural and free and loving there's there's a there's a godly boldness that comes in prayer that we know our father loves to answer our prayers and faith grows we become bold in what we ask isn't it interesting that the disciples watched Jesus's life For so long, and the question they asked was, Lord, teach us how to pray. They didn't ask, Lord, we've watched you for so long, teach us how to preach. Or, Lord, we've watched you, your leadership ability is quite incredible, the way you run this small group is amazing. Teach us the principles of leadership in a small group of 12 men, will you teach us that? Oh, he didn't say, Lord, teach us how to heal the sick. He said, teach us how to pray. I'll tell you what. That is the most, probably the most important question you can ask of the Lord. Is, Lord, teach me how to pray. If you're struggling, keep asking him, teach me how to pray. How, how should I pray, Lord? What works? We're all so different. You know, we, we, all, we all pray in so different many ways. But what the enemy wants to do, he wants to fill your life with so much noise and so much clatter and so many notifications And so much activity in your life and so much din that what he wants to do is remove the melody of heaven and the silence of heaven from your life. What do you want? Do you want the noise of the world or do you want the melody of heaven? Now those aren't my words, those are the words of C.S. Lewis when C.S. Lewis was writing the screw tape letters and the, the devil in charge, the demonic presence in that great piece of literature, said, we will make the world, whole universe a noise in the end and the melodies and the silence of heaven will be shouted down in the end. Isn't that what the enemy wants to do to our prayer life? wants to shout us down. He wants to distract us that we don't even shut the door in the closet and go alone with the Lord Jesus anymore. We have lost that, that closeness. And, and how should we pray? Well, he said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And what did the Lord give them? He gave them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, I attended a, a beautiful funeral on Friday afternoon where I officiated. And of course, always in the middle of the rhythm of the funeral, one always prays the Lord's Prayer. And, it is a, and, and for those who may not even be, be believers, they join in. And, and we pray together. And I could hear them whispering the words. You see, first of all, how should we pray? Well, prayer comes out of a sense of absolute worship and adoration of, hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Magnificent is your name. And when we come into prayer life, it is so important that we keep... God front and center; that He is holy is His name. His names are magnificent. There are many names in, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Greek scriptures of God. There are the names of Jehovah that exist. That the Jehovah, our righteousness that is there in our lives. Jehovah, our sanctification, who comes and sanctifies our lives. Uh, Jehovah, our our our. Uh, peace and, uh, and, and who is there amongst us and is present with his people, uh, Jehovah, our healer, Je- Jehovah, our provider, God who is our provider, who is with us, our banner, who watches over us, our shepherd who cares for us there are there are just so many uh, wonderful wonderful um, Names that declare who God is. And sometimes when I'm in that, that, that closed room, I'll open up my Bible and I'll write down and I'll, I'll journal and I'll pray and I'll speak out and I'll worship and I'll remind myself that my God is righteous. I'll remind myself that he sanctifies me. I'll remind myself that he is present, he's, ju- he's there amongst. i remind myself that he gives me peace. i remind myself that he is my healer. I remind myself that that that, that he is my, my banner and that he is my shepherd. I remind myself these things as I worship. But prayer also flows out of submission. And and when the Lord said, Thy your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this really say? Well, I'll tell you what it says. It says, God is not your vending machine. He's not a big spiritual vending machine where you do it right, you get your coins out, and you pop it in, and out comes whatever you've asked for, perfectly, magnificently. It is, wow. This vending machine is amazing. All of this just pops out. I've discovered that God isn't my vending machine. He's my Lord. And when I come to him in prayer, and when I pray this, and I, I can tell you that this is probably the most prayed term I pray in my own spiritual walk. I pray that God's kingdom will come in my life and that his will will be fulfilled in me. I pray that God's kingdom will come in in my wife's life. And I pray for her every day of my life that the kingdom of God's will will come in my children's life, in my family's life, in this church's life. That thy kingdom come and thy will be done here and now. That God, you will be here and your will will be done and your kingdom. Kingdom will come here I pray for our, our city and our nation that thy kingdom will come and thy will be done and what does this actually mean to me it means that I'm saying I trust your timing Lord and when I pray about issues I trust that you are Lord and that your timing is perfect it also means that I'm saying I trust your methods I don't always understand your methods but I trust those methods that are at and Lord, I, 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 I accept your viewpoint. I accept your position, your view on this area. And, and I am willing to submit myself to your decisions because you are my Lord. And, and, and I, I want to get in line with your heart and, and all that you say and do. And this is a very beautiful thing. That your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. And then, our needs. We have many, don't we? You know, when I, when I think about our needs, many of us um, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, when I read this scripture, I see four areas. First of all, I see forgiveness. Forgiveness is critical in our prayer life. And forgiveness is the key that unlocks so much in our lives. We have to forgive. But also, our income, our, our daily bread, the way we have, our careers, we, our life, our activities as families. And God is interested in your career, in your income, in your daily provision, in the setting that you are. Thirdly, strength. He wants to give us strength to resist the enemy. Strength to say no to temptation. Strength to resist the enemy. And fourthly, healing. That he heals our broken hearted. He frees us from so much in our lives. He comes, whether emotionally and physically, he's healing. Forgiveness, income, strength, and healing. It actually is an acronym for FISH. I I made that up myself. It's not very clever, but I I like it. Bread and fish. It's very biblical, you know. But I'll tell you what about income and strength and healing. If you haven't nailed the forgiveness, the rest is very hard to deal with. Everything flows out of forgiveness. And when we come to prayer and we empty ourselves and we seek the Lord, it flows out of that forgiveness within our lives. And, and, and He is, he's with us and, and he ministers to us. And, and these areas, income, health, forgiveness and strength, are needs our needs are there for each one of us. And as a church, we want to foster a vision of prayer, an intimacy of prayer. This Monday night, we gather at Willow One Prayer here in this building and to pray. Maybe you've never been, but you should come. And pray with us about Christmas and Christmas services and living nativity, and pray about your needs, and pray about so many things. It is right that a church should gather to pray and learn how to pray together. And you may say, I feel nervous. I don't want to sit with people I've never met and get into a little group. And, you know, they might be strange. Well, yes, I mean, look at your pastor. And, and, Don't worry about that. If you feel shy, you're allowed to sit quietly on your own and watch what goes on and pray. I don't mind whether you want to dance around, be on your knees, sit alone. Just pray and come and join us. We're looking forward in January for 21 days of prayer and fasting. Think about that. What is my response because we want to start the year by honouring God and we'll, we'll, we'll step into prayer and fasting. And that may be for you a meal a day. It may be for you just the vegetables. It may be just water for a number of days. But in that 21 day period, what are you going to do? We prayed for three key areas. And I said to you, choose three areas of your life that you want to see change and fast and pray for them. In 2016, and so many of you had answered prayers. We did. All three of our prayers were answered in 2016 that we brought to the Lord as a family. And I'm excited about the next three things we want to pray about and step into as as, as families and churches. What are you believing God for? What are you going to pray for in 2017? We want to foster that. But more importantly now, as I close our real life series. We're a church that is about preaching the redeemed power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a church that believes in the empowering of God to change our characters and fill us with the Spirit. We're a church that believes that every one of us has a role within and without in our active life. We're a church that believes in the beauty of listening and the prayer and the sincerity and simplicity of you talking to God in your life. So why don't you ask the Lord for a moment, Lord, what is the next step you want me to take in my prayer life? What do I need to address just ask him that question. What is that step? Let's just pause now. What changes do you need to make? Perhaps it's time to just start praying. Lord I pray that in each of our lives and in my life you will continue to ignite a deeper, more profound spiritual depth of sincerity in prayer of shutting the door and finding the room of simplicity built around the beautiful, natural relationship that we can have with you, Lord. Freely coming to your presence. Knowing that you lovingly care for us. And understanding, Lord, that we at times can be bold to ask, <clears throat> like a child with a father, even though you know our needs, you love You love to engage with us. And the pleasure of being with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this.